Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the After Show with Mackenzie Stewart and Amy Shannon. We have over 15 years of literary experience between us. Our mission is to educate and assist authors of all writing levels. Hello. How are you, Amy? I'm good. How are you? Hey, I am doing well. I am doing well. We have an action-packed show today, and so let's get started. Sounds good. All right. All right. So uh, today we have with us um, Stefan. I just want to make sure I'm pronouncing your your name correctly. Uh, No, it's Stephen Iwano. Thank you so so very much. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome to the show. And tell us a little bit about yourself. All of our, you know, all of our authors are more than just right. And so if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and then ease the conversation into um, how you got started writing and uh, your journey. Uh, sure, I'd be glad to. And thank you for having me on the show tonight. Um, I am a... Uh, writer based out of Buffalo, New York, and I've been writing for a long time, uh, probably over 30 years, but I've only been writing well <laughs> for like the last six or seven. Um, I uh, received my uh, MFA from Queens University of Charlotte, and that was really kind of like the turning point for me. Something seemed to click when I was in Charlotte after all these years, and I had my uh, short story collection, Muscle Cars, uh, published in 2013, uh, 2015, I'm sorry, by the Santa Fe's Writer Project. And then my first novel, Rook, came out last year. And I have a novel coming out next October called Yesteryear that I'm very excited about. So it's been a long time, so I'm really glad to be here. Awesome. I used to live in Charlotte. And I live in upstate New York, so we're all practically neighbors. That's right. <laughs> all right. So... So tell us a little bit about yesteryear. I'm just definitely um, excited that you have something that's coming out soon, and and talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I don't remember where, who told me. I don't know if I was at a party or a bar, but someone said to me in passing that the creator of the Lone Ranger was from Buffalo, New York, and I said that can't be right. I'm a writer from Buffalo. I would know if someone who created the Lone Ranger was from Buffalo. Didn't believe, didn't believe the guy. So, of course, I Googled it, and, and sure enough, uh, Fran Stryker was born in Buffalo. And I did a little more research, and I found out not only was he a Buffalo guy, but he was a neighborhood guy. Uh, he lived a few blocks from where I was living at the time. He went to high school right up the street at Lafayette High School, and he worked for radio station WEDR in the 1930s. And that's where the Lone Ranger actually premiered on radio. Um, and then I dug a little bit more, and I found out that, you know, Fran was a, a big-hearted guy. 
Um, you know, this is during the Depression, so not only did he have his wife and two small children to support, uh, but he also had about a dozen extended family members that had lost everything in the, the stock market crash, and he was supporting all of them. Uh, so money was obviously very tight, and what he was doing to make extra money was um, writing radio scripts and then sending them out to different stations across the country, uh, offering them for between 2 and $6 an episode. And one of those radio stations that was buying his work was WXYZ out of Detroit, owned by a man named George W. Trendle. Um, and he was buying about three episodes from Stryker per week when he approached Fran and said, hey, can you write a Western, you know, make it all, all the usual hokum, he said in the letter. Uh, you know, girl tied to the railroad track, masked riders, uh, two-gun shootouts, and so, of course, Stryker needed the money, and he said yes. And he went and he dug into his files, and he took out a, a script from that premiered in Buffalo two years earlier called Covered Wagon Days, was the name of the series, episode number 10. And he rewrote it and created The Lone Ranger. Um, fast forward about a year later, The Ranger's just starting to take off. It's just got its national sponsor. Trendle is aware of all the family members that Fran is supporting and says, hey, instead of, you know, me paying 3 or $4 an episode, why don't I hire you to be a full-time writer for WXYZ, move to Detroit. I'll guarantee you have a job throughout the Depression. But in exchange, you have to sell me the rights to the Lone Ranger for $10. <laughs> well... Stryker thought about it. He didn't like the deal, but he said, yeah, you know, I got to take care of my family. Uh, I haven't had a hit, you know, a real national hit yet after writing, you know, over two dozen radio series. So Strand signed the contract and signed the rights away for $10. Um, so once I knew that story, I said, man, I got to write about this guy because he, you know, he had this huge impact on 20th century pop culture. He had a big heart, a good family man. Uh, and man, he got screwed. So <laughs> it was oh, tough man. to write a novel about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, it gets even, it gets even worse actually. Um, oh. Trundle did, yeah, uh, Trundle did honor the agreement during the depression. Um, and he always, Fran always had a job. And of course, the Lone Ranger just became this national phenomenon. Um, and so it was not only the sponsors, but, you know, all the spinoff toys and the serial and the comic books and the novels yep. that Stryker. So all this additional money was coming into Trendle. And Stryker wasn't getting any of it. And then in the 40s, um, Stryker goes to Trendle and says, hey, you know, I haven't had a, a race since 1934 when I signed the contract. Um, we got this huge hit. What do you, what do you think? How about, how about a little boost to myself? And Trendle fired him. Um, he said, hey, we, it, it's been a hit on radio for eight years. Uh, we got the formula. We got the main characters. Uh, we don't need you anymore. So he fired Stryker. And the quality of the writing dropped so dramatically um, on the Lone Ranger and other series that Stryker was writing, 
including Stryker created the Green Hornet, that the radio uh, sponsors complained to Trendle and said, you got to hire this guy back and give him a raise because we'll pull our sponsorship back. So Trendle did. He hired him back, gave Fran a raise, but then Trendle started saying in articles and interviews that he created the Lone Ranger, not Stryker. Um, and he told that lie for 30 years until his death in early, the early 70s. And even if you watch, if you go home tonight and stream the latest movie of, of Lone Ranger with Johnny Depp that came out about 10 years ago, if you wait to the end and the credits roll, you will see based on characters created by George W. Trendle. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my goodness. So, I mean, you two are writers. I mean, you know. I mean, this is good stuff for a novelist. To, to think oh, yeah. Years. Oh and I feel goodness. horrible for like that, that, that's such a good nugget to get, right? Like like whoever right. gave you that nugget, it was like, you know what? Let me look this up and I'm gonna chase it down. And I love it, right? Because yeah. that's how uh, and you're right, that's how I, I write. I'll see something and I'm like, you know what, that turned out really well, but that if X Y Z happened, that could be really horrible, right? And so I write yeah. the whole aspect of it right <laughs> oh yeah and, and sometimes real life is um stranger than fiction so mm-hmm. i love it so part of yesteryear is really the idea is okay striker has to come up with this idea of a, a hit radio program um and so part of what i explore is where do the ideas for stories come from because everybody always asks right and the answers that come from everywhere. Um, and yep. so everyone knows the Lone Ranger's story. They know about the, his horse, Silver, and the mask. And so in yesteryear, um, all these things are happening around Stryker. Uh, and the readers know this is part of the Lone Ranger um, trope and artifact. And it's, he's going to work it into the story eventually. Uh, and, of course, of course, he does. That's great. Yeah, and Stryker was, was a really interesting man um, because when people would ask, like family or friends, when they would ask him in private, like, you know, aren't you mad? Aren't you upset? You know, I mean, Trendle's claiming that he wrote The Lone Ranger. And Stryker would just kind of shrug and say, you know, the people in the radio business, they know. They know it was me. Um, and then when he was asked in interviews or articles, he would say, only God creates, which is a really nice way of saying, Trendle didn't create it either. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he, he never confronted Trendle. He never, you know, they didn't fight in, 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 in public or in private. And Stryker continued to write and work for him up until um, Trendle sold the rights in 1954 for $3.2 million, which is a pretty good return on his investment of 10 bucks. Um, yeah. And at the time, at the time, it was the largest deal in entertainment history. Um, and Stryker didn't get any of that money. I think he wow. got a bonus. I think he got a, a bonus, but he didn't, you know, obviously he didn't get like a million. Bucks. To <laughs> yeah. So the, the the story sounds really depressing, but it, it's not. It's a it's actually a fun book, 
it's a, it's a comic noir with some magical realism thrown in. And when I was writing it, I was thinking of um, W.P. Kinsella's Shoeless Joe and um, Malamud's The Natural and um, Daniel Wallace's Big Fish. So there's like magical elements. And it, it was a fun book to, to research. It was a fun book to write. And I'm hoping it's to be a fun book for everyone to read. I can't wait to read it. Definitely. Oh, yes, absolutely. And so I, I, I enjoyed how you told the story, um, how you got the idea. It's just fantastic. Yeah, I just can't wait for um, the book to come out. And, um, yeah, I, I love your story. I love how you told the story. So that's, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So what's in the the work next for you? So do you have any unfinished work that you you are um, looking at in the meantime? Because I know, you know, oftentimes we have time on our hand, meaning that we have a scheduled release date, and then we're kind of, you know, doing some media appearances, a little publicity uh, around the work that's coming out. But, you know, we are authors, so we're, like, trying to figure out what's the next story. Yeah, actually, um, after yesteryear, um, I have another novel coming out uh, in 2025 called After Pearl. And I, I call Pearl my, my pandemic novel, uh, even though it has absolutely nothing to do with the pandemic. Um, I started it right before we were locked down. Um, I was living alone in a big old house with my little one-eyed dog, and uh, I was tired of the news. I was tired of Netflix. And we read to escape, right? And so I wrote to escape just how awful the, the pandemic um, the pandemic was and how mm-hmm. awful the news was. And so I know a lot of my creative friends, writers, visual artists, they, ha- they really struggled during the pandemic to create. And I took the opposite bent. I, I just kind of said, everything's fine. I'm going to create my, my own little world that I'm in control of. And I'm going to write um, something, just escapism, just an escapism novel. I don't know if it will ever be published. I'm just doing this for myself. And mm-hmm. I wrote about an alcoholic detective in 1942 uh, who wakes up on the floor of his hotel room with a little one-eyed dog. He doesn't know where he came from. Uh, he can't remember the last five days of his life. Uh, and he checks his wallet. There's no money. He checks his watch. You know, it's cracked. It's not working. He checks his gun, and two bullets have been fired from his gun, and he doesn't know who he shot at or why. Um, the police come by. They're questioning him about this singer that he was last seen with. Um, he doesn't remember anything. Um, so after Pearl is trying to piece together the last five days of this down-and-out private eye um, to figure out what happened to the, the missing singer and what happened to those missing days of his life. So um, that was just so was a lot her, of fun. Was to, her name sure. Pearl? Uh, yes, Pearl Duguay. Okay. Yep. And it also, okay. uh, it's also it happens, it takes place after Pearl Harbor. Um, so oh, it's okay. got a kind of a double meaning there. Yeah. So, um, and that was fun to write, you know, uh, you know, set it in that era with the clothes and the cars and the, the, the war news that's always in the background. 
uh, and this poor yeah. guy, he can't find his car. He doesn't know what happened to, uh, you know, the last week of his life. <laughs> it sounds so. really interesting. So if you ever decide to publish it or show somebody, I'd be happy to read it. <laughs> well, you know what? I showed it to my, my publisher at uh, SFWP just because, yeah, what do you work on? So you want to read this? And he, he, he loved it. So that's coming out in October of 2025. Uh, we're going through the editing process now. Um, funny story, when I wrote it, I, I showed it to my friend Carla Dameron, who's uh, a wonderful writer, a mystery writer, crime writer, and her book, uh, The Orchid Tattoo, just came out. And she read it, and she said, is this going to be a series? And I said, no, it was just a, it's a standalone. I just wrote it during the lockdown. And then I showed it to Ashley Warlock, another great writer, whose last novel was The Arrangement. And the first thing she asked, well, is this a series? And I said, no, 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 it's just a, a standalone. Um, and then I showed it to my publisher, Andrew Gifford. And he said, is this going to be a series? Because I, I can see, like, Netflix really liking this. And I go, yes. Yes, it is a series. So now I have to come up with a couple other books uh, with my alcoholic uh, detective and his little one-eyed dog. That is so cool. <laughs> you know what? You know, do you do you ever feel? So it kind of seemed like you felt some kind of pressure, right? Um, because you know, I wrote a standalone, and it was a fluke. Like the standalone, like it was a fluke. It wasn't something that I intended. And I had to write something while I was trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. about my Emily Graham series, like what I was going to do next. And, mm-hmm. and so somebody was like, is, is this going to be a series? Like the lost letter, is this going to be a series? And I was like, no. Right. Like you, like no, like yeah. no, it's not. And, and then <laughs> it got so in my head that I was trying to figure out how to make it, uh, you know, a series, right? And so – I, 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 and then it, and then it caused me to slow down my writing for my other book, right? So I, I definitely get that. Like I get what you're, I get what you're saying. Um, it, it, yeah. it definitely, yeah, it definitely gets you to thinking. Like yeah, maybe it should be a, a, a series. Yeah, yeah, that happens. I heard Netflix. They said, yep, absolutely, it's a series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, it, it sounds as though you. It sounds as though you're you're talking about you know later this year. You talk about 2025. You're you are definitely really planning your writing and when you're going to get things published. What keeps you on track? Because a lot of people I hear they're you know they get distracted. They they don't have that um, plan. That I'll say strategic plan. Uh, like you have of what's coming out, what I'm working on. Um, what keeps you focused and, and on, on track? I think it's because it's taken me so long to get to this point um, that I, it, there's just a built-in discipline to get up at 5 a.m. and write. Um, mm. There's a built-in discipline to, to, to do the research. Uh, because for, for literally decades I was not getting published. Um, you know, maybe an occasional short story here or there, but you know, when I was when I was coming up uh, and was in grad school, um, you know, this is when uh, Chabon was coming out and Brett Easton Ellis and and all these folks getting their first novels published. 
um, and they're under 30. They're just turning 30. And I was a little bit younger. Um, I was like 26 when all those books started hitting. And I figured, well, you know, that'll be me. I'll be, I'll be I'll have my first novel out when I'm 30. Uh, and then 30 came and, and went, and then 40 came, and that went faster. And then, then 50 came, and I was like, you know, my plan isn't working here. Um, and like I said, it's been like the last seven or eight years where things have finally clicked. And maybe it took me this long to get good at my craft, or maybe it took me this long to mature as a, as a person and a writer. Um, maybe I had to live through, you know, certain amount of things. Uh, but mm-hmm. for whatever reason, it's happening now, um, mm-hmm. much later than I thought it would. And I'm trying to take advantage of it as much as I can. And if I'm tapped into something, let's just, just keep going. No, that, that that's that's great, and and sometimes you know, um, it's like things just take time, and you know, and as you write, you get better at, you know, Absolutely. most people do, they get better at yep. at their you know their creativity, and um, you know, it's like for me when when I write, it's like my brain goes right to my fingers, but if I had to speak it out loud, it's not as easy to do that. Um, but it's and you can plan things, but not everybody has a, a finished novel in their back pocket. You know, okay, in case yeah. this doesn't yeah. work out, I can just say, "Here, how this one." <laughs> right, that's right. Uh, there's usually no plan B, um, no. <laughs> and I think it really helps that that once you you do get published and you go through the editing process with your editor, um, that's a learning experience. You know. Why are they suggesting this edit? Why are they suggesting you cut this or expand that? And yeah. th- that that really helps, um, I think. And so well, that, that's yesteryear, good. No, that, that's it, really good. Yeah, I'm an editor it's a also, experience. so it, it's um, yeah. Uh, not all my clients completely understand the editing process. So uh, thank you for saying that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the way I, I just embraced it. Let's make this book better um, if we can do it. And, you know, I, I can't say I accept all the, you know, editorial right. suggestions, but I try to understand and learn why. And I think I think that's making me a better writer now because um, the same editor has edited yesteryear and now going through After Pearl, going mm-hmm. editing After Pearl, and now when I'm starting something new, I find myself saying, oh, you know, Adam's going to catch me on that, you know, and, <laughs> you know, rewrite it. Or, um, so, no, you know, I'm good. learning, still still learning. No, we, 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 we should, we're all learning, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very yeah. much for saying that. Yeah, because that's one of the things that we are, we are trying to instill in people who we mentor, um, and it, it's, it's not an exact science and you know we are improving our craft every single day that we write and so we um, definitely do um, encourage everyone to stick with it like like you're saying stick with it it may not happen now but it could definitely happen you know for you in the future but in the meantime keep writing keep your head down you know keep writing and keep publishing because one day you know, you know, if someone wants to, you know, be represented by a um, an agent, or or they want to, you know, 
do more than, you know, self-publishing, then perhaps they have that mm-hmm. option. But, but keep your head down, keep writing. Yeah, Definitely. you never know what's going to fall on the right desk at the right time. Um, exactly. And you just, you just have to be prepared for when that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's some, that's some amazing advice. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so let me ask you, so how did you get discovered? So you have, you know, um, in, an agent. How did you stumble upon an agent? Um, did you make no, I, I, I never was able to get an agent. Um, okay. So the way I got my, my short story collection, Muscle Cars, um, I and SFWT, my publisher, they hold an annual um, contest, literary contest, and the prize is publication. And mm. I, I don't oh. enter a lot of contests because they're usually pricey and, you know, the right. odds are so stacked against us um, yeah. as writers when we enter these things. So I'm, I'm really selective about, about entering them, but I knew of SSWP. I, I knew their um, you know, their backlist and their front list. Uh, and it was good stuff. It was writers I admired. So I said, well, you know, I'll enter. And um, I won. <laughs> so I was very surprised and very happy. And, and that's what got me in with, with SFWP. Um, so I don't have a, a, um, a literary agent, but I do have a secondary rights agent that works with the, uh, the publisher and myself. So uh, hopefully good things will be coming from that. Oh, well, that's wonderful. Congratulations. Thank yeah, you. congratulations. You know, that's, that's really awesome. Again, So, again, thank you so much for being on our show because you are speaking to all the things that we talk about. And so it's always good for our listeners to hear it from someone else who can say, this is what I've done, and these are things that, you know, Amy and I, we talk about on a regular basis. And, and again, I want to commend you. You know, Amy and I, um, when you contacted us to be on the show, one of the things that we com- commented on, both of us were thinking the same thing at the same time, boy, do we have someone who is doing exactly what we tell um, the writers who we work with, Start promoting your work before the book is is published. We we actually yeah. someone who's doing that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So so yesteryear comes out this October, um, mm-hmm. and I started in January, and I felt like I was behind. I was like, oh my god, it's only ten months away. Um, but you really mm-hmm. need to do to start doing that to start lining things up because you're not going to be working – they're not going to be working to your schedule, right? The, the, the podcasters and the reviewers, you know, they may say, yeah, we'll, re- we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you, you know, closer to your pub date. And then you kind of lose all that pre-order ramp. So um, I started yeah. in, in January, you know, writing the letters, writing the emails, doing research, um, I can say with my third book, um, I'm a lot smarter than I was with my first book um, in terms of marketing. And, uh, and of course, you know, SFWP, my publisher, has been uh, great in helping me and directing me as well. Um, so I'm not alone. Um, but, yeah, the, the burden still falls on the author to, mm-hmm. to do their promotion, to get it in 
get those arcs into the hands of reviewers and to reach out to podcasters and to write spin-off articles and all that stuff you've been telling yeah. the, the, the writers you've been working with. It's, it's, it's a numbers game. Um, mm-hmm. And the more you, the, the why do you cast your net? You know, the more you're going to reel in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But it's a, it's a second job. <laughs> it, you know, it takes, <laughs> it's a second job. It takes time to research and to, you know, craft a personalized letter and, um, you know, so it, it, it takes time. It takes time away from your writing. Um, mm-hmm. But it has to be done to, to give the book a shot to um, have some type of life. Thank you for saying that because, um, you know, authors, they have to balance that, right? They have to balance, okay, if I am on a podcast, if I am writing letters, if I'm doing all the things, uh, you know, um, under the marketing umbrella, it's taking me away from writing. And then, but right. we, we oftentimes gravitate to those things that make us feel comfortable and the writing feels more comfortable, right? And so the marketing goes by the wayside. So, um, no, you, you, like I told, like I said, Amy and I, we said at the same time, boy, someone is actually doing everything that we're we're telling um, authors. <laughs> they need to promote before the book is actually, um, you know, uh, published. So, no, you're you're doing a really great job. I love your story. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, definitely. <laughs> yes, I love you. I, I still tell authors to send me their books prior to their release date so the review can be posted on it, and I still get them. Oh, I just yeah. post, uh, my re- book was released last month, and, you know, and I'm like, get, that, that, you know, get it before, you know. Yeah. Um, a that lot window of time, is so I'm the small. first one. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's very small. Yeah. So, and um, if. For anyone who's listening, you know, if you just ask yourself, okay, if I don't do the marketing, who's going to do it? And there, yeah. there's nobody behind you. I mean, the the, the publisher is only going to be able to do so much because they've got other books that they have coming out, um, and they can't, you know, give you the attention that you you hope or want. So it's, yeah. it has to be the author that 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 picks it up and runs with it. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and they have to know what their book is about. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. You have you have to know what it's about. You have to have an elevator pitch. You have to be able to to to, to talk for an hour if you have to, um, or talk. You know, if you only have their ear for, um, you know, ten minutes. Um, so, it's it's. I'm getting better at it. It's it's more of an art than I think. At least I going into it, I thought it was just you know, just you know, a grind. But there is there is an art to it. Yeah, there is. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Yes, thank you so much for being oh, our guest. You. The listeners can find your information on our website called Our Guest. Perfect. And thank maybe you. we'll thank hear you from you in October. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I'll check in. The book comes out October 3rd, but you can pre-order it now at uh, through Amazon or sfwp.com or barnesandnoble.com or, or just out at my website even. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on our show today. Oh, thanks for having me. Oh, great. Thank you. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right. Amy, wow, what a great great show. What a great show. Um, We are um, at the top of the hour here, and we have another guest um, that's 
uh, going to be showcased um, on our show today. Um, we actually have a duo. Um, we have Chris and Jennifer. Hi. Hi, hey. Hi Mackenzie. Hi. This is Chris. Hey, Chris. Long time no hear from. How are you? I am doing well, um, and, you know, I, I, I have no complaints. That's great. That's great. That's great. Um, and so I'm going to let um, – Jennifer, thank you for, for being on the show as well. Um, let, let's start with the introduction. So I'm going to let you all formally introduce yourself and talk about your project. So, um, Chris, you could definitely um, start with the introductions for you and Jennifer. Hi. Okay. I'm Chris Carlson. Uh, I write uh, several different series. Uh, my most recent series is uh, the, the Bloodstone series. It's, uh, he's a Victorian detective in London, um, and uh, that has an award-winning book, uh, uh, the third book in that series that I'm, I'm promoting the box set this month uh it's on sale the third book won a global uh, first prize for suspense uh from chanticleer and i just finished last year a first book in another series it was world war ii set in england um it's a world war ii romance and that is also a finalist at book excellence i just got that word third yesterday so i'm really happy with those those two series and Jennifer is my book designer, cover designer. She is brilliant, and she's also my publisher. So, so Chris, so you you mentioned, you know, you, you said you you can't complain, but you were kind of holding out on me in the in the beginning about all the great things that uh, that that that's coming your way, and it sounds like you are having really great success. In your um, in your work in your published work, so congratulations again. Thank you, thank you very much. Like I said, uh, the one the, the one from uh, the one on the Akak girl, which is a World War II story, um, that was out of that surprised me. I wasn't expecting that at all, and I'm just grateful for for um, that they noticed me. I'm you know like a typical midlist writer. I'm always grateful for good attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's that's great. That's great. Um, hello, Jennifer. How are you? I am doing great also. Yeah, so far so good. <laughs> hey, great, great. So thank you so much for being on with, with Chris. Um, all right, so so tell tell us a, a little bit about your the, the, the new work that you want to um, discuss on the show today. Give us a little bit more detail. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, uh, Books to Go Now, uh, we're a traditional publisher. We've been around since 2012. We've seen a lot of uh, changes and ups and downs in the industry in those times. And then a few years ago, I went in with another uh, cover designing company and advertising called Romance Novel Covers Now. And um, so we do, uh, uh, they do covers, they do ads. Um, promotional work, uh, try to stay on top of the trends because the art's evolving and changes so much for uh, book cover designs that even those change just as much as the uh, as the books that the people are writing and the trends with that. The, the covers are, they're always trying to come up with a new, new idea of, of what that next uh, trend cover is. So, 
Chris has very specific uh, things that she wants on her cover to show. Uh, and so it's been fun working with her on these and, and getting the no- notoriety of her books win these uh, prizes for uh, it's good, a good feather in our cap too. So. Oh yes, absolutely. I think, I think it, I think sometimes writers, if especially new writers, um, I, it is really it's really a pleasure to have a designer that understands what your concept is that that even cares what your concept is because there are a lot of cover designers out there that you know they they just want to burn them and turn them and they crank it out and no, they don't want to listen to to you and you know this is the, a, a book a novel no matter how many you've written they're all your they're all your babies they're all your children you you have a vision for them and it's Jennifer is very good. At working with me at this is how this is how I see it and then she she has a great design eye so she's able to to bring it to life for me which I appreciate well that's that's really great does she um, does she uh, read the book ahead of time before figuring out the concept uh, yes we do yeah so it's 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 all kind of uh, tied together. So with the mm-hmm. because she's uh, you don't have to be through the publishing company to get the covers and or it's a separate company, but uh, the ones through uh, Books to Go Now that uh, because we have been invested in all of that that we know what the what the book's about and then work with them because. So many people, yeah, as she said, that, you know, a lot of times you don't even have any input at all of what what your cover design is. And and uh, I remember working with uh, somebody I knew from way back, and, and the guy in her book was, I don't know, blonde, and they had a brunette guy on the cover and something else. And, you know, I mean, it was just completely the opposite mm-hmm. of, it didn't even, wasn't even close. And so you have something in mind when you write your book of what, what that will look like, so... Yeah, and a lot of times if somebody is reading it and they see, you know, the person on the cover, that's who they picture in their mind, um, even if the description's not, um, you know, doesn't match up with what is written. So that's why I asked because I've heard of some that, that just get the concept and not really read the story and know what it's about just to get a cover. And you know, yeah, some people are, that you want to remember that that's that, that's the first thing a, a person walking through Barnes and Noble or scanning or scrolling on Amazon. The first thing they see is your cover, and if it if it's not if it isn't if it doesn't speak to them if it doesn't speak about to the book, then they're you know you you you're kind of lost in the woods then because then they just keep scrolling and you want them to say oh this is interesting and then look down and write the little see what the blurb says. Exactly. And using that in advertising that uh, Amazon doesn't really offer anything for free, but they do offer the A-plus ads, which they give a whole, the template that you can upload uh, free advertising with your book, that where it comes out below the the, uh, write-up and uh, it can have a little blurb, it can have pictures of it, you can write up character descriptions and all that, and... uh, so might as well take advantage of the only free advertising that they give. So uh, you know, any any advertising is uh, is good advertising, as as Chris said, to uh, bring people to anything that uh, pulls you up to the top of that that pile and and makes people take notice. So 
no, that's that's definitely a really great uh, feedback. So, if you Jennifer, if you had to offer um, some advice to someone who is um, getting ready to, they're all finished. The edits are complete. They're getting ready to start the cover, uh, the cover design. Uh, perhaps the person they don't do the cover design themselves. They're contracting to get someone to do it. What are what are some tips that you have for an author? when they are looking for someone to do that type of work uh, for them? Well, sometimes I always suggest uh, there's hundreds and hundreds of choices of pre-made covers on the site, but there's also, um, if they're looking at a custom cover, then either uh, we have a cover information sheet to try to figure out what they want because it's, it's very specific. You know, I work with a few authors that, especially fantasy writers or something that have really specific things that are a lot of times hard to just, uh, if they're just, uh, you're trying to shoot blindly, you know, in a snowstorm yeah. with what they're shooting for. And sometimes I have them go out and look for like book covers, not that it will be the same, but just, okay, this is kind of what I'm looking for, you know, that uh, this is, um, something that is in the field of, of what I think my book is about, you know. So then we we have some place to start at uh, base base to build up from from there. So I think that's really good because I know that I review a lot of work. So a lot of times when I look at the cover, you can tell, especially if you've, you've read a lot, if they're just using like one of those templates that Amazon provides or just a basic template where they just put the book title on and, and their author name. And those, um, though they're, they're, they're um, you know, they're useful, but because a lot of people use the same template, then that gets associated with, um, you might get associated with other people uh, or people think it's something different because they're all using this um, right. template cover. And to me, I mean, it's just my personal <laughs> opinion that it, it just, because I see it so many times that it just doesn't look like it, um, you know, it, was, it looks like it was slapped together. Well, as Chris said, you know, that's the first thing that people see and that's what they're going to click on. And it could be the most brilliant book that's ever been written in the history of time, but if spend all this time and energy and everything into getting this, as as she said, the, your baby up there, and then you're going to, you know, you're going to put this cover that's just really slapped together and, and makes it look unprofessional when the book's probably completely professional and, and pulled together. So, you know, this isn't the time to, you want to make sure that you get that last cog in there, which is, you know, uh, something that looks good to put forward. Because you're going to be using that in all your marketing and everything else. Your book cover, you know, is going to be in all that. So it's... Um, no, exactly. Wanna, yeah. And, you know, uh, Mackenzie and, and Amy, you know what we're we're finding, too, at least I'm finding... Um, uh, which for your listeners that are that uh, want some hints on on getting your books out, advertised and getting your name out there, re- these one minute reels that they can put on, you can have somebody do a professional job and they can put you put it up on YouTube and on Instagram and stuff. 
uh, and there's there there are music sites out there. You can do your own soundtrack to them. And I I've did I've done two recently, and I'm going to do more. And I um I I I think I'm really excited about it. Being being able to go out there with this one minute, and it's one minute, so people don't get you know turn away. Everybody's on their phone these days, so you can watch a minute on your phone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um. You know, when when people are consuming content. Um, nothing more than three minutes because um, because how many times have you watched something and you're like that was I wasted three minutes of my life on this right quicker or they could have done something a little differently but yeah no I definitely do get it um, so is is there any um, so if so the Mac brothers can you tell us a little bit about that particular work uh, that was a series of uh, it was stories, and there were uh, four authors in the anthology, and uh, two of the authors um, decided that uh, they wanted to leave the anthology, and so uh, my writing partner for a lot of these anthology books, uh, Angela Ford, we decided to pare it down and just make it two brothers, which that was, that was a feat in itself, man. It's, it's a lot to, when you would be, you would refer to them as they, or, or one of the brothers would be in there that wasn't supposed to be. And you're like, ah, geez, you know? So it's uh anyway, it's a fun series. And um, they, uh, they inherit this. Uh, she li- uh, Angela actually lives in Nova Scotia. And so she decided to base the book there on the uh, on the ocean there, and um, so we based the book there that the uh, the brothers get this uh, inherit this uh, lodge from their grandfather that they didn't even really know was there, and fix it up and then uh, uh, go on from there. So it, it was fun, and there's sexy escapades in it. So. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and I can vouch for Jennifer's Jennifer's romances. She writes she writes very good uh, romantic scenes, and you know they they she's she's she is a, in our critique group. She is the best one for that. <laughs> I am the only one for that. You need to prep well, that. So no 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 no. But nights and time. I'm gonna I'm gonna check her on that. I'm gonna check her on that because nights and time. My my first romance series, all those books had love scenes, and Akak Girl has a love scene. So, mm-hmm. but but Bloodstone doesn't, but Nights in Time doesn't. Akak Girl does. She you thinks know, I have written romance. <laughs> so it's it's nice that it's nice to also hear um, something that you just said a, a writing you know a writing group right so there is an opportunity for people to um, have to write together or help critique each other's work. So what should people look for? Because Amy and I, we are definitely proponents of that, and we're trying to really push people to, um, because it's definitely lonely when you write alone, right? But um, there's definitely others out there that can help support your writing as well. What are some tips that people should um, be mindful of as they um, as they are trying to venture into a writing group, or do you have some advice about um, writing groups just in general? I think, and I think Jennifer would probably agree. I, I think everybody needs a critique group of some kind. 
um, because you can't, it can't be just your family because your family is not – they're going to hold back. And they, they won't always tell you the truth because they don't want to hurt your feelings. But there are times, you know, you need somebody to say, hey, you used that word seven times in three paragraphs, you know. Um, <laughs> or if you can – a concept's not coming across to people. You need the, somebody else to say, I, I don't understand what your point is here. And you look at it think about how you can rewrite it make that clear. But you don't want somebody that's just going to be negative because if they're just if, if it's not constructive, that's not the right person to to be in a group with. That's true. Yeah, and, I think Jennifer, I think Jennifer so has many, had that experience with somebody. Yeah, I think not so much our that our critique group because we've actually been together for how how many years has it been? At least twelve or so. God, we've ten been or twelve. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, twelve. So. Um, and people have come and gone in those years, but the core base is still. But uh, Debbie Maycomber lives right down the street from me here, and, um, you know, she's written, she's sold, uh, what is it, 100 million books or some crazy number. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, she's still in a writing critique group, and she's still in the same group. I think she started with, you know, 30 years ago or whenever, 25 years ago, and she started writing. Uh, she's still in that same group. And, I know it's not for everybody, but I think it's important that you're in in in-person groups if you can find anything that, you know, around you. Because Mm -hmm. I just think that online groups, a lot of times, it's we all know what I'm talking about, that these people with keyboard courage, they're just crazy, you know, and they're so Mm -hmm. negative and they're so Mm -hmm. where they would never say this stuff to your face. They, you know, they, you need to be. Because people just, especially new writers, they get their knees knocked out from under them and then they stop writing and it's ridiculous. And so people can be so vicious online when they would never say those things to you in person. And so I think a lot yeah. of times it's, it's good to have have that, uh, you know, and uh, just, and even if it's an in-person one, that they're giving you creative feedback and they're giving you uh, things to help your writing and not just this is stupid, this is a dumb story, you're a bad writer, you know, none of that is, is going to help you any. So mm-hmm. That's true, yeah. Yeah, It it. so thank you for saying uh, the keyboard courage part because I do think that um, we're now living in a world where people feel as though if it's a, if it's if we're asking them for feedback or comment about something that that they should say the very first thing that pops into their their head and you know but we don't want to we don't want to like dummy down the feedback but we do want to offer it in a way that it can be constructive and i think that you know whoever's you know you know basically putting the group together perhaps need to keep reminding you know people of that and i agree um, that the group should be um, in person, right? So, and it should be one in which, you know, and, you know, some people, they may not, they may not have the opportunity to find something near them, so they may have to go online. But I think that it's going to be important that if they're doing, it's either, it's either going to have to all be online, or if they, they have people in person, and then, you know, people that's not, it has to be done in a way to make everybody feel part of the group. So you agree with that? Yeah. That yeah. Everybody doesn't yeah. have the opportunity, you know, to, you know, if you live out in Montana somewhere and whatever, you may not have that opportunity to have a place that, uh, but 
if you don't, then maybe try to start one in, in your library if you have a library in your town or do something like that because people will come in and they will become a part of it, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah you we can even ask in your homes, but, you know, they it's just as good to meet in a coffee shop or somewhere else. And so... Ask, yeah, you know, you can ask to... a local bookstore. Ask if if you can put a flyer up if you want to start one. That's how one of the one the very first I moved when I first moved to this area. I didn't know anyone, and I saw um, and I was working on my very first manuscript. And, and Barnes and Noble had a flyer up of a critique group that met in there met there one, uh, once every two weeks. And um, yeah, a lot of the bookstores, your local bookstores, will let you put a flyer up if you want to start one. With and say, you know, we're we're looking for two or three people to, to you know, writers of all kinds. If you want to say fantasy writers, or, or we'll, we we don't care if you want to do different genres, but a lot of the a lot of the the booksellers will will let you post. Okay. Oh, well, that's and Chris good. and I met yeah. through Romance Writers of America, and unfortunately, I think they're pretty much def- defunct and. But because uh, they were such a, they they were great for these groups, you know, because the people mm-hmm. that they you you met and they weren't all romance writers, you know, they were just people that wanted to learn about writing and and improve their craft. And so, it's too bad we really need to maybe start something like that nationwide again that people can be a part of. So. Yeah, and and one thing that when people give critiques, you know, there is a way to give negative feedback but in a way that is um valuable and not just like you're putting down the author's writing you know things like that you can always you know say something negative but in a positive way and not everybody understands that mm-hmm. yeah yeah you can right. couch, you can couch it so it's not it's so it's not hurtful and if you have an idea how they can make it better then that's a good time to share it with them you know um, our, in our group, uh, you know, uh, there was some something that I did recently that I added a new section, and they wanted, and they, I needed it. And they were the first to tell me I need to connect it up to the other portion of the book because it was it was kind of a disconnect. I was looking for some more action, and when you know, talking mm-hmm. it out, we got a couple of ideas out there that I can I can explore. And this doesn't always work mean. for everybody. Was it mean or we, anything? Yeah, mm-hmm. we have four completely different genres. <laughs> of authors in our group. So we have a, a, a medieval, um, actually, yeah, it's medieval, right, Allie? Or no, she's actually, she's actually Dark Ages. She's Dark Ages dark Vikings. Dark Ages, yeah, so it's like 700. Then we have a thriller writer. Uh, Chris writes mainly Victorian um, or war-type stories, and then minor, minor romance. But I did write a horror screenplay last last year too so because of the varied we get interesting feedback you know because everybody that you have in your group has different uh, knowledge that they bring to the table so right yeah no that's wonderful that's great that these groups exist and can continue on for for years yeah and actually we um (laughs) and sometimes you know you can you can find yourself um I never thought in a million years I would be co-writing a story with anybody, but Jennifer had read about a woman uh, in World War One who um, 
did masks for yeah. men that had been disfigured, seriously disfigured during the war. And in those mm. days, you know, you didn't really have plastic surgeons and that sort of thing. And she yeah. made these wonderful masks. And Jennifer approached me, and because she knows I like to, I don't, I like writing war, war, war stories in a way. So the, the hero could be a soldier, and um, from that time in, in, in English army, and her the heroine was the woman she read about. And we so we sat down and together worked out this story. It's it's not exactly a romance. It's more like women's fiction. And mm-hmm. um, and it was it's very interesting. You know, you sit down and co-author a story and, and figure out. Okay, the worst thing was talking to each other. Like, where are we in the story? Okay, what's he doing? What's she doing? <laughs> you know, because uh, <laughs> make sure we've got the timeline. That timeline was the, the killer. Timeline, yeah, that was the hard part. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but no, each that... of us had a strength. Each of us had a strength that we could contribute to that story. Uh, which that, that that's something you, you find out if you're in a critique group a lot of times that you find that that every person in your group and I, I would say don't do a group really try not to do a group bigger than four um, because then it becomes t- really difficult to get through all the pages at your meeting but if you have mm-hmm. the, for each person um, you know what each person's strength is after a while you know and um, you know, if I was going to write a, a story about Vikings or about the Viking invasion of, of Britain or Britain in, in you know in the seven or eight hundreds, I'd go to Michelle or in our group and I'd say, Hey, Michelle, did this happen? Did that happen? I'm not yeah. going to do that because I'm not writing a Viking story. But you know, you, you know that, or she's great. With she used to work for Noah, and, she, and if I have a question on ships, I I say, Hey, Michelle, mm-hmm. what do you call this? <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah. I guess. Yeah, no, that's that's Your previous guest mentioned research, and and that's what's really that's what I'm trying to tie it into with your critique group is the research. You always do your own research, never take somebody else's word, really, um, another writer's word, let's say, on on a story you read. But if you could, if you have somebody in your group that has expertise, that's that's a that's a real help. That's what gives you a leg up. Yeah, definitely. And that, that, yeah, and because there we're all at different, we've we experience different things for promotion and for advertising, and so that's the other part of it. It's like, did you try this? Did you do that? Did this work? Did this not work? What did you do? So we're always talking about about that too. Besides the writing part of it, to see what uh, as far as promotional things that uh, the others have done in the group and kind of. Uh, bouncing it off of them to see what they've tried because there's just so much out there to try to wade wade through all the time to get that promotion and uh like your uh the previous gentleman was talking about of getting that platform off the ground before the books books release that it's it's just uh it's it's just a lot all the time <laughs> it is <laughs> and, and I, I suppose that um you know i think about when people you know, they write a book together, and I've read some where they had duo, um, you know, authors, and even though you may not know which author wrote which, but there's, it's like two different voices telling the same story, or you could tell where one left off and one picked up, so um, I'm sure it wasn't the easiest thing to have a story be all in one voice. Yeah, it's, you know, I think I, sometimes you, I, yeah, you have to get somebody close enough that has close enough to the same voice, so you don't have that complete disconnect. But yeah, 
I don't think with our story, I, I think there, there's definitely a different different rhythm to 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 the to each of the way each of us writes. But um, yeah, but yeah, I, I I don't think it's it's a terrible thing if the voices are are a little different. If, if a reader can can see the the two authors write, telling a story, because it's like anything else when two people tell a story, there's always going to be the way people say, the way people add, add inflection. But I mm-hmm. think you can you can do it successfully. But like Jennifer says, you have to be close enough that you're you're at least on the same page. Right. Yeah. I get that. I think Thank a ton of so authors much. and even top list authors are co-authoring anymore because they they just there's such a demand of of pumping books out in such a short period of time that they have to they have to have somebody else to to Thank write with them. Being, so. No, great. This is great conversation. Thank you so much for being our guest. The listeners can find your information on our website. Call our guest. Thank you for listening to the after show. I'm Mackenzie Stewart. And I'm Amy Shannon. Anything that you need to know about us is on our website, wetheaftershow.wixsite.com slash home. And thank you for having me. Uh, this is Chris Carlson, and, and on, uh, you can get my information from their website or from my own, chriscarlson.com. Thank you so and thank much. thank you so much for having me on. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.